Hey y'all, welcome back to the Bad Activist Podcast. We are here for the first episode of season two. So for y'all that were here for season one, my name is Julia. Um, I'm one of the co-founders and the collective members of the Bad Activist Collective. Bad Activist is a space that is dedicated to really kind of connecting activists, justice seekers, change makers from all around the globe. Um, and we're working to combat systems of oppression um, and fight for a better future and for people and the planet. So we do a lot of fun things, you know, as a multimedia platform, mostly kind of centered around our Instagram and our podcast here, um, where we get to have awesome conversations between collective members um, and, and guests, really kind of exploring topics all over the place from from climate change, from environmentalism, racial justice, disability justice, queer feminist theory, um, youth activism, dismantling all of these systems oppressions and the ways that these are kind of always intersecting, evolving, changing, and and you know kind of how that plays into our world. Uh, so all the fun things happening here. We're super excited for a new season for y'all. Um, and I am here today joined with some of our newest Bad Activist Collective members and we're just going to do an intro rundown of these amazing humans and talk a little bit about what being a bad activist means to us. So, first of all, um, a little rerun back into me. Uh, my name is Juliet Gettner. My pronouns are they, she, interchangeably. Um, I'm based in New Orleans, Louisiana. And yeah, I originally founded Bad Activist Collective with uh, Tori Choi and, and Kishona Rue back in, I don't know, time, what is time? 2020, 2019, who knows? <laughs> I think it was in 2020. Um, and, and we were really kind of uh, started out as a podcast that was trying to dismantle this idea of perfectionism and activism and wanting to have a space where we could kind of grow and learn um, without having to get it right all the time, but instead really just wanting to be kind of accountable and, and growing and moving forward. Um, and so, yeah, in my day-to-day -day life, I am a organizer, an abolitionist, an anti-capitalist, a climate justice activist. I wear a lot of hats, really thinking about a lot in the, the intersections of art and activism um, and organizing for a better future. So yeah, for our friends that are on our podcast with us today, um, yeah, just give us a little introduction to yourself and kind of how you came to Bad Activist. So whether that's through your previous work, your main interests, or or what kind of drew you to the collective. Tammy, do you want to kick us off? Wow, yeah, sure. My name's Tammy, Tammy Gan. I am based in and from Singapore, which is a small country in Southeast Asia. There aren't really a lot of climate activists where I'm from, um, and I think that's part of the reason why I was drawn to bad activist. Oh, I forgot my pronouns. I use she, her pronouns. I think for me, I was really drawn to Bad Activist Collective because of what Julia mentioned about how um, it's really hard to find activist spaces where you kind of encourage learning and accountability as you go along. I think there's a lot of pressure to get things right, especially where I'm from and activist circles that I've been, um, and organizer circles that I've been involved in. I think there's a lot of emphasis on um, getting things right and learning about a lot of things and saying things the right way. And so I was really stressed out when I first sort of 
came into the space because I felt that I had to know everything and I had to learn everything um, and there was no room to sort of like slow down um, and check in and just kind of be with people and I so I think that's why I was really drawn to bad activists and I think the descriptor bad really kind of makes it a very accessible space for people who have just started learning and I think that's always what we want to be encouraging um, in activist spaces even though you don't see that very often. Yeah, so that's why I decided to join and here we are. Amazing! We love to see it, we love to see it. Let's keep on going and I forgot the orders but um, Hannah uh, want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone my name is Hannah Mendez I use she her pronouns and I am based in Brooklyn New York. I am Venezuelan American and I found my way to bed activist. Um, I was actually originally working well I still am working as an editorial assistant for Atmos magazine and Atmos had done a collab with Bad Activist on what it means to be a bad activist. Um, and I had been following Bad Activist for a while beforehand, but I think that collab really made me a lot more interested in the work that Bad Activist does. I saw that, you know, you were taking on new researchers and had the opportunity to join the collective and the community and meet you guys. I was really excited. So um, that is kind of what drew me to Bad Activist. I also wanted to look at something from a more grassroots perspective. I've worked with NGOs in the past and um, never something with the same structure quite like this one. And um, I really love the idea of working in community with people closer to my age, people who are all kind of starting out their activist journey in a similar way I was and who have some more experience in other ways that I don't that I could learn from. So I was really excited about that opportunity, and that is why I am here and very happy to be here. We love it. It's chaotic, but <laughs> yeah, sometimes works. <laughs> Working collectively, I also learned from lots of mutual aid organizations I work with, is uh, fun, but not without its struggles. Awesome. Well, Tom, do you want to give a little intro to yourself? Hey, I'm Tom. I use he, they pronouns. I was born in Colombia, but raised in the UK and I'm ordinarily based in the UK. This year might be different, but sporadic, but anyways. How I came to Bed Activist is probably like less, less interesting than everyone else, perhaps, <laughs> just in terms of the fact that like, I think I've had perhaps less of a journey in organizing and less long-term growth, perhaps, just because I think as long as I can remember, I like wanted, since I was like a child, wanted to work for like an NGO, like that was my goal. And I knew like I wanted to get involved in activism somehow, but I didn't really know anything what that meant. I didn't really know how that was possible ever until I stumbled across Extinction Rebellion and then <laughs> I got like that like made it actually really accessible to me in like a very, perhaps a privileged format from coming from a place of privilege and does like I got it. I got involved in activism there because I was like, oh, fine. Like, okay. Like, I remember seeing it on the news when I wasn't in London at the time when they first came out. And I was like, okay, cool. I wish I was part of that. And then I, when the next opportunity well, came around that I could be part of that, I was. And then, then I was like, oh, this is a bit of what activism is. is. And then I, that's when, that's more when my journey started and I stumbled across into like everything else. And I was like, oh, maybe these aren't the group for me, but maybe <laughs> there are other groups. And just like evolving like all the time since then about like what does actually being in activism mean? And I think 
other reason bad actors maybe resonates is in a different way is perhaps because like I, I think I find it the the window into actism is often seen as one that is like this quite strong window that people don't know how to cross or this threshold that I think people don't know how to cross and this is where like I think the, a resource like bad actors which can showcase there's many forms of actism that comes in many shapes and forms many different things from like yeah, me being using my graphic design skills to be an activist, and that is a way that I can, like, fight the capitalist oppressive system that we're in, like, using the skills that I have. And I think it is really because so many friends and family that I know don't engage in activism in part for different reasons, but some some because they're too intimidated by the the specter of activism, some because they think being an activist basically means you're going to go and get yourself arrested and do things like this way. And that's the one way of activism, right? Rather than understanding there's a, a plethora within it. So I think that's why, like, stumbling on crust bad actors through, particularly, I think, I like following Tori at the time, and then seeing that is something I found particularly interesting. That's so funny. You talked a little bit about kind of, like, getting into Extinction Rebellion and stuff, just because Tori and I have had this conversation all the time, is, like, that a lot of times the first, like, organization or group that people get involved with is definitely not the one that sticks but it's like what introduces you to things like I remember I think the first like thing that I started doing anything with was like in like an animal rights activism group in college and that's mostly because the girl who invited me was really hot so like (laughs) (laughs) sorry uh, I hope that she listens to this one day and is like, yeah, she came just solely because she was trying to find a date. But anyways, um, yeah, and but like that then leaded me to meet a bunch of other people on campus that were organizing around things I cared about like way more and uh, I dropped it quick. But, you know, there was there's always that like <laughs> introduction to um to the space that is you know it's the journey that we get on it it may not be where you end up but it might be like kind of what 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 you you figure out like isn't your jam but something else might be so all the fun things yeah yeah for sure like i mean when i attended the first extension rebellion rally it was like at first at first i was like oh animal rebellion because i'm vegan so i was like i'll go with animal rebellion within about like two one and a half days of being with them, I was like, nah, not in a rebellion. These guys, this like, this is not my crowd. And then I was just like, okay, more extra rebellion. They're like actually chanting for more, like actual, perceptibly, I guess what I'd say more related to calm justice in ways, but definitely not quite enough. And we keep looking for new ways to push it forward. <laughs> Amazing. Um, hopefully you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, my name is Ophélie and I use she, her pronoun. I am based in the UK. I was born in France and I'm originally from the Central African Republic. I am a human rights activist. My activism started quite young. It was always about getting into places where I wasn't invited to advocate about things that matter for me and I felt people should be aware of and talking more about I've been working with asylum seekers and refugees for over three years now and I'm advocating for the right of black asylum seekers and refugees mostly because I I felt working with organization and being involved in the so-called refugee crisis which is in fact a political crisis that 
Um, well, in Europe, institutional racism is also affecting black communities within camps, but because uh, because we have the problematic of uh, the refugee crisis, we are not talking about the way that black asylum seekers and black refugees are being treated inside camps and how the minute you step into Western institution, you as a black person, you're going to be targeted because of your blackness. So it was very interesting for me to go in that journey of recognizing that refugees and asylum seekers on top of having to deal with with the condition, with the broken immigration laws, and they also have to deal with issues of racism. My activism started because, well, part of my activism doing with that was to go into spaces where people were not willing to be too, too engaged, to have that conversation, especially organizations, humanitarian workers who thought were doing a good job without addressing and the racism that was present among the organization and in the institution around us. So, yeah, the reason I came to you guys, to the Bad Activist Collective, it was all to do with one of my friends who is an environmental researcher. A researcher sorry. Uh, her name is Natalie. I don't know if you know her, Julia, but she mm -hmm. was on a trip with you guys so she um she told me about you guys so i looked you up and just when i did you are looking for researchers so i applied and and this is me and i really like working with you because it's really all about challenging the idea of perfectionism but also you know how people accept of activists to know all their shit really to be perfect to yeah it's like you have one like, there is only one way that people accept us to do things, you know, when activism is not that. And there is, like, different kind of activism, too, which I feel are not... We don't talk about that enough, and we're not also connecting all the dots, you know, how climate activists and human rights activists, it's really all the same work as well. So it's nice to have a space where we can all get together and work together and... Yeah, because we're on the same mission. It might be a different mission, but at the end of the day, it's we're walking towards the same goal, which is a goal of liberation in many, in different aspects. Oh my God, I love that. Sorry, also, did you see my next bullet point? Because that was literally what I was gonna say, oh, which is so amazing. Also, um, Opali just had a little human, which is so exciting. We have our youngest bad activist I collective do. member ever. <laughs> And she's six weeks. <laughs> it's so and, cute. Yeah, and I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute, and it's 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 a challenge for me as an activist also to have, like, to be a mom is gonna be another challenge, you know, to raise a free kid. Um, and I wanna I wanna raise her, and I wanna give her the space to be herself, you know, not to be like playing, like a role in. A, capitalism like society you know I don't want her to be performative I want her to be able to be free but then again it's hard to raise a free child when you are a black woman and you're raising a black child and can she ever be free in the institutions we're living in you know so I have many questions so being a mom I feel it's just gonna deepen my activism in a way because I'm gonna have to look deeper into everything that I was doing into yeah living in the western world into like the capitalist systems in which we are living and how do we play like you know how are we upholding this and how do we liberate ourselves from all of those 
systems but yeah she's the cutest thing ever <laughs> that makes so much sense because at this point like you're not only advocating for yourself you know because we talk about the future generations but it's another thing when you you yeah, created the yeah. future generation <laughs> exactly yeah and it's like i don't want to um, i have many questions because also i don't want to just be a mother and be the kind of mother who is seen as a parent. I want to walk with my child into... I want us together to walk into be, being our, our best self and into being free. I want to raise a free child. I don't know if you guys heard about the term of unschooling, but it's something I will be looking at in terms of research. It's all to do with how you... Uh, people, like communities in the Western world want to organize themselves to raise their child in a way that is uh, decolonizing. We want They want to teach their child better. This is the idea behind it. But yeah, I'll look, I'll look deeper into it another time. Well, you have lots of time because she's six weeks old, so you know, get through <laughs> feeding yeah, and surviving. But the idea, yeah, but the, you sh- like the idea of unschooling is really a kind of aligned with what we are doing as a bad activist collective because it's all about decolonization and being like free of um, capitalist systems. And I love that you touched on like a little bit kind of about collective liberation, which is something that was also like a big driver of the collective kind of coming together was this observation that so many of us saw all these it's a great like organizing and information happening, but like in segregated or different spaces, right? I had like folks I knew from like kind of abolitionist spaces that were doing really awesome work and people in kind of like uh, in labor movements and then like in the like food sovereignty space and then like other folks in like the queer space and like I just like felt like all of these people were were doing amazing work, but they, I very rarely saw that like overlap. And if I did, it was like for a quick flash in the pan, right? Yeah, and this is the issue. And really, we should be all working together because we're working towards the the same goal, you know. It takes different aspects and there's different layers of activism, but at the end of the day, activism is... We're all working towards a similar goal, which is why as a human rights activist, I find it very... Like, I like the fact that I'm working with climate activists because also it's challenging my activism. It's teaching me things that I wouldn't have known as a human rights activist. And and I, I'm, it's making me realize how, yeah, we are fighting towards a common goal, you know. And at the end of it, I see it as liberation. A liberation to, to really to our capitalist system and everything that... Yeah, I don't really know how to say it, um, but I think you guys know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I want to I wanna back that point up because I, I agree in the sense that another thing that drew me to the collective was people coming from very different knowledges, not only within the climate sphere, because um, I've only ever worked within the climate sphere and, uh, well, like climate gender intersection. But it was really interesting for me to learn from everyone else and, you know, coming from different places, how everything is bound up within each other and yeah, we're all connected. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I I feel to some extent that, and I obviously I'm talking from my own experience, but for some activists and especially climate activists, they don't always see the connection. And again, I'm just talking from experience. I'm not it, what I'm saying is not the truth, but I feel like sometimes in climate justice places there is a lack of understanding that you know. Climate, like climate activism also is connected to human rights activism because it's the same goal, you know, when you're fighting for a better environment, you also have to take into account the people who are suffering from climate change, you know, people who've had to flee their home because of climate change. And yeah, I just, I would like to see more of this conversation, like uh, in climate justice places, I would like to see people talking more about the people who are directly being affected by climate change. And I feel we could use those platforms better to amplify the voices and the experiences of the people directly affecting by climate change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I would, I mean, I think that's my issue within like most climate organizing groups is the like, I don't know, I think people often get, maybe people get into it because of like the science of it and that's what draws them to maybe quote-unquote environmentalism but then they stop there and they stop to like, they they really struggle to look past the fact that and the environmentalism is caused, like it is a direct result of the capitalist system that we live in which also like has created everything else yeah. and they like don't. Like this is it's a huge thing that they, they want to stop there, and then they just they don't want to take, uh, it was like without without seeing people at, at the the process system we we have. You don't have racism, and without the structural racism, you also don't have climate change. And like without, if you are able to make these links and just bear that in mind with all the actions you take, I mean, it it means that climate organizing groups don't like exclude thought from their process in, in the way the way they ch- choose their like actions but also in terms of like the narratives that they're trying to create it's a shame and it's, it's very very frustrating that like these, this step just isn't taken and it's something i like with the bad activist collective because i feel like you know us working all together and wanted to to work with like different kind of activists and connect all these activists and justice seekers and change makers for all around the globe. We're opening a space for all those conversations to happen, you know, and to connect all the dots together and make sure that we're all fighting together and not separately because then, like, I think that this separation is kind of maintaining the system of oppression unless we all fight together and recognize that all of our fights are connected and we we work together for a better future i don't feel like it's it's really gonna work yeah i mean a lot of it is also like kind of pushing back against that scarcity mindset right the idea that there's not enough time there's not enough attention there's not like enough to to work on all of our issues and so we need to put them in this weird like hierarchical order and then people are like well doesn't matter if there's racism if the planet's gone and then you're like okay well it doesn't matter if the planet's gone you know like and then all these people are kind of like grappling to put their like quote-unquote their issue at the top but it's like like you said that's just reinforcing systems of oppression because instead of instead of working together towards liberation we're all just like kind of infighting which is you know always a an interesting interesting process Tammy, what are your thoughts? You're giving some really aggressive head nodding. 
<laughs> no, I was just nodding because I was thinking about something I was just hearing the other day. I was hearing, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Nick from the Red Nation, um, who is like an indigenous leftist collective based in the US, I think. And he was talking about, or at least I think he was in conversation with someone who was talking about how the left is just, and I don't want to make this into like a whole left versus right thing because that's just like, at this point, it's just kind of stupid. But, but it is true that I think within our spaces we're so tied down by identity politics and while i think identity politics to a certain extent like is important um and recognizing that we have to be i guess like recognizing the importance of people's identities but also not letting that be the thing that separates us and i think he was talking about how because of this reason the left hasn't been able to build sort of a strong coalition across different identity identities whereas the right for example like they have a really strong i mean I think a lot of people think the right are just made up of a bunch of stupid people, but they are really ideologically aligned with each other. And they, he was saying that that's something that the left really misses out on because we can't we can't build a strong sort of fight if we're not together and if we're just tearing each other into pieces. And I think it's such a waste to to see how. People are so ready to jump on each other in the climate space, especially. Like, I think every other day you find just someone being criticized for saying something wrong or doing something wrong. And I think that has to be balanced with, like, there, there is space for critique and there is space for sort of demanding accountability from people. But I also think that, like, we've gotten to a point where, like, we don't even want to make space for that anymore. It's just about calling someone out and like cancelling someone right off the bat and then not letting them come back and in the end that just hurts our sort of collective fight and push towards liberation i think and it's such a pity to see that happen i totally agree <laughs> there is again this idea of perfectionism you know it's like you have to be perfect you can't do right the minute you, the minute you make a mistake you have to be cancelled right. and really this is not like I feel like we should work more towards like helping each other feedback, you know, and we can just, we don't have to just like shut down people. We can all work together into making each other better and, and making each other grow. And this is also the path towards like liberation and a better future, because really, if you look at system of oppression, this is what they do, you know. This is like the minute you maybe you, you do something wrong, you have to be shut down and you have to be cancelled. And mm. this is the end of you, but... If we want to walk toward a better future for the people and the planet, we have to do better at helping each other and working with each other without just being in a kind of a competition. Yeah, I think cancel culture has kind of become a thing of its own, you know? I think it started as something to hold people more accountable and especially people with a platform who have a lot of influence. I mean, it makes sense that we would want to hold those people accountable, but at the same time, yeah, I think like anything, it's can be turned into something really ugly and something really detrimental that just pits us against each other. And what Tammy was saying about identity politics, I've noticed a lot lately as well. Like instead of finding places where we do understand each other and where we can relate to each other we're like well you would never understand me because we're different in this way you know and I think ultimately at the end of the day we're all still working under the same capitalist white supremacist system umbrella 
we are exactly doing what they want us to do and we're feeding into this exactly. the system every time we're like you will never understand me because we come from very different identities or ethnicities or whatever and and it's important to acknowledge that there obviously are different lived experiences you know we'll never understand each other's lived experiences in that sense because we can't be literally inside each other's shoes but finding the commonalities finding areas where we can connect to each other and grow with each other and learn from each other versus immediately shutting each other down because yeah different lived experiences we can't understand each other is much more detrimental in the long run yeah Maybe we'll go into one day. We'll do a deep dive into identity politics. I actually just reread the Kumbahi River Collective's statement, and they're actually the first group to ever name the idea of identity politics in like the seventies. And it's very interesting to see how that's changed and the ways in which they speak about it and the ways that it's been kind of distorted today. But you know, gotta love it. <laughs> co-opting terms, ideas, and movements, you know, out here doing it every day, just diluting it down. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's like, it's so interesting because like so many of you said, you know, perfectionism is like a pillar of white supremacy, right? The idea that it's like, if you make a mistake, you are a mistake. This like very clear cut, like black and white, like we see no nuance, like there's no room for for growth is is kind of a part of that system. And so Bad Activist Collective, which is named, it's a play off of Roxane Gay's Bad Feminism. I was always inspired by kind of her ideas that it's like, that feminism is a flawed movement because it's a movement built by humans and humans are flawed. And and really that's where I think it comes down to what it is. I think I've seen this big shift is that because so many, a lot of people do a lot of their organizing and activism online, which is great because now we can globalize movements and, you know, we would be here on this call from like people from all over the world if like we didn't have this type of space. But I think also that distance from like having to work day-to-day like alongside people and alongside the community is what allows like some types of activism to be like okay well if you don't have all the information and are perfect and make no mistakes and have a copywriter for everything you said and like never trip over yourselves like it's so easy to put up those barriers when you're not like dealing with the fact that like you know it's difficult to organize alongside people who have been brought up in misogynist systems like how do we undo that Mm. rather than being like well well you know distance from the nuance too you know yeah the the distance from that and that's the kind of like the human side of it and and think that that's where it's like working with movements of humans is always going to be messy and so it's like how do we figure out the best path forward in which we kind of like stick with our boundaries with like having a foundation like, I'm, I'm always kind of going into situations like, yes, I am anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist, anti-racist. Like I have all of these values that I have to hold to my core, but also, like, how do I meet people where, where they're at so that I can kind of pull them towards me? Uh. Which takes a lot of labor, which takes a lot of energy, which I don't think is... Sometimes I'm like, some days I wake up and I'm like, this isn't sustainable, I need to do something different. Some days I wake up and I'm like, okay, this work is important, I need to kind of keep doing it. But yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of goes into our last little question, which would be like, bad activist, the name of this, what does a bad activist mean to you? What do you think? What's the usefulness of the framework? Or I guess, cause I made up the framework. 
What do you think is not useful of it? Because we keep, we're open to critique. <laughs> My perspective, I think if you're actually attempting to come into this world, have, I guess, activism or whether it's cool activism, whether it's being anti, anti-capitalist, anti, anti-oppression, anti-imperialist, or like anything else, like if you're actually trying to change and trying to create a different world for all of us, then I, th- I think there should be comfort and nuance in, t- and like this is also difficult because of like, yeah, the, the patriarchal system means that this is really not, not habitual for people to like recognize that I'm coming to into a new space where there are people who have different, more, like more lived experience, more education about things. I really wish it was habitual for people to be able to go, okay, I don't know. Let's, let's actually listen to people on their terms and regard people on, like, if they know better about me than something, let's just come in here and be like, okay, this is what they suggest I should do. Let's actually just listen to them and try that out and see, like, open, completely open-mindedly how that goes. Yeah, but especially because of, I guess, with, uh, like, cis men and society and the patriarchal system, it means that, like, this isn't habitual for people to, like, come on and, like, like, it creates systems like the devil's advocate, which is, like, completely against this kind of concept <laughs> of, like, being, like, I'm going to come in here open-mindedly. No, I'm going to come in here and challenge everything that I don't even agree with, that I already agree Debate with. Debate club racism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it's... I really wish that it would be okay for people to recognise that they're going to make mistakes and accept it, like, people are going to get angry at you because of a different reason. Like, it's completely fine for people to get angry at you for being racist, but, like, if you are doing that just listen to them and actually like take it take take it on and choose to grow rather than like shy away from it and like in every other aspect like I wish it was okay to recognize that you can make mistakes but grow from them and grow from them and like if you can prevent making mistakes like there, there are many ways of doing this you can try and do your own research not just pretend but actually want to make a better world I guess I know I'm gonna fuck up all the time and I know people are gonna hate me but I'm going to try and, like, my best to try and listen to that. Yeah. I am going to build onto that. Like, I think something that's really important here is just, like, recognizing how in, like, activist spaces, it's, again, like, really uncommon to find spaces where we encourage sort of, like, slowing down and sort of meeting people, meeting each other where we are. Um, And I think this is something that really has been so important for me with bad activists. I mean, it has its ups and downs, and I think as a collective, we're still, like, growing and stuff. um, And we're still figuring things out. But what I really appreciate is that we internally, I think, recognize that we have, like, our own seasons of, like, busyness and, like, unavailability and just, like, not being at capacity. And I've been really thinking about it recently because I was listening to, I think, a community organizer, Shilpa, talking about this sort of concept of, like, just realizing that people, and I'm just paraphrasing her, people matter more than agenda items. And I think that's such a that's such a great way to think about it. And I think we really embody it within this collective. Um, again, with like its ups and downs, right? It's such a special thing to be able to hold space for people's capacities. And I think when you really take that into account, then you know you can sort of have a collective that is really resilient and doesn't just sort of burn out because everyone just works too hard and pushes each other beyond their capacities. 
again, it's it's really just about like listening to each other and sort of making space to be like, hey, how are you? And then what are you thinking? And sort of just like really listening. And I think that's something that a lot of activist spaces and activists just miss in their activism. I think activism isn't always about what you're doing, right? It's it's also about like how you're doing and how you're doing is so important because then that is also about tearing down and breaking down these systems of oppression that show up within like our lives, right? And just by like making space for each other, I think that is already like an act of resistance against the system itself. It's harder to put that into practice and I think that's what I really appreciate about bad activists is about, is about having this space to together sort of learn how to do that. Um, and I'm also thinking here about like Adrian Marie Brown's like emergent strategy, right? And figuring out how to sort of grow together and sort of fill in the gaps when we can't do it alone. Like when someone's busy, then you fill in for that person or like, you know, and then vice versa. And I think that's really, that builds eventually a stronger movement than just having everyone go, 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 like all the time. Yeah, that's also a symptom, I think, of a group of neurodivergent people who um, <laughs> who founded this collective and we were all like, not one of us has ever thrived in like any working environment that we've ever been in, right? Because it's like that go, go, go being on like 100% of the time. It's just, it's not sustainable for anyone. Like even people who are neurotypical and like apparently don't have have any depression cycles or have like any sort of issues with that of like I don't you know like that that idea it's so interesting how it's like bled into the activism space too I know so many organizers that are just like grinding themselves in the ground and because they're like doing quote-unquote like good work or community work like it's it's so hard to like how do we put up those boundaries and stuff and so you know actively practicing that type of boundary and also sometimes I feel like boundaries feel so like individual like we each have to do our own thing and then we have to just like hold people out of them um where I think that there is something beautiful about kind of doing that as a group if that's like with your friends if that's like with people that you organize with is like kind of coming into it respecting that um and understanding those ebbs and flows and it's it's a hard thing to practice though (laughs) it definitely is I'll cut in really quickly just to say I think um, being a bad activist means like an openness and a willingness to learn, understand, and listen. Again, like Tammy said, much easier said than done. But also like realizing that, again, there is no such thing as the perfect activist. And any contribution is better than no contribution. And bringing to the table whatever skills you have, whatever knowledge you have, and again, wanting to grow within this space of activism to better not only yourself, but your community and the, the greater community that is our planet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I would uh, disagree. There is a perfect activist. Her name is Kendall Jenner. Have you ever seen her Pepsi advert? <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just that easy, actually. <laughs> What's up, Shab? <laughs> if only. Oh, well, this has been like, I'm, I'm also so excited to see, like, I feel like it's fun to have this podcast and hopefully, you know, the next time we do the first episode of season one, we'll look back and be like, wow, 
those bitches do nothing and they thought they did and like that's like my goal is like every year to look down to look back at myself and be like wow they really thought that they were doing something but you know like they had so much to learn and that's like what's beautiful right is that like we could we can have that and, and use that actually like with grace and joy and not like in in fear you know Oh. Why why kill kill the part of you that is cringe when you can kill the part of you that cringes? Um, you know, that's what we're out here trying to do. <laughs> that's a really bad frog meme that I really hope I can find and send to y'all. Um, but yeah, that wraps up our first episode of season two. So excited. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy to have all of y'all a part of the collective and I'm so excited for everyone who is tuning in and listening to hear all of the amazing episodes we have going forward for season two. Bad Activist is a project of climate control projects. You can follow our work at Bad Activist Collective on Instagram, Bad Activist Co. on Twitter. We're on the World Wide Web at badactivist.com. I think so. I bought that domain. Let's hope I said it correctly. And yeah, you can find all of our amazing collective members work there as well as kind of going back to their pages and seeing seeing kind of what, what they're putting out into the world. But thank you. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Yay. Thanks, y'all.